This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. Okay, I feel a little bit more comfortable because I know what I'm going to say now, but then that's just a... That's tough. Um, I don't know how Pastor Todd does it. It's uh, that's something else. Um, so I'm Chris Mitchell, in case you didn't get that. I'm the middle school coordinator here. Um, and uh, yeah, I just wanted to, to say welcome. Uh, I also, um, for those of you that haven't heard, I just wanted to, um, to kind of let you know that uh, I've been, been hired actually at First Covenant Church. Um, full-time, so I'll, I'll be moving over there in a month, and uh, thank you. And I just want to say, though, it's only been because you guys have been such a blessing to my family here that we feel um, empowered and equipped, and so thank you for uh, letting us into your lives. Um, so you guys have been a blessing to us. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's pray real quick. Holy Father God, um, you are awesome, you are powerful, you are mighty, uh, you are beautiful, you are strong, and you are present. Um, Thank you for being here, for being with us, for being in this place. Thank you for equipping all of us to be part of your body, to encourage one another, to strengthen one another. Um, to live a life dedicated to you, to who you are, and uh, to make this place um, holy, set apart for you. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right, let's, uh, I have a clicker, which I don't normally have, but I have today. All right, Um, actually, can we stand for the reading of the scripture today? Um, all right. So we're going to kind of jump around a little bit. We're going to start with Leviticus 19.2. Speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, Be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. All right. Then we're going to jump over to the New Testament, to First uh, Peter 1.14-16. As obedient children... Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. And then one more time into Revelation. Maybe. Oh, there you go. Who will fear you, O Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you. Your righteous acts have been revealed. Thank you. Please be seated. Um, So, last Sunday, I... Okay. Last Sunday, I I was actually um, visiting another church, uh, Chugach Covenant Church, our church plant, um, and they had asked me to preach there. And... I brought along this young man that uh, Alyssa, my wife, and I had recently met. Um, and 
I didn't know him very well. I'd only met him one time before, but um, he just kind of was lonely and wanted something to do. So I said, well, come over. I'm going to be preaching at Chugach. So he did. And uh, just as we were about to get out of the car, he asked me this question. Why does my father hate me? And that is quite a bombshell to drop right before you're about to go any place. And uh, you know, on Father's Day, and as some of you can tell, I'm a nervous public speaker. It's not, this isn't like my natural thing. Uh, so I'm shy and extreme introvert. And I was about to go to a church full of strangers, um, get in front of them, and share what God's put on my heart for half an hour. But then this kid that I barely knew, um, we'd only met one time before this, he asked, he asked me that right before I was about to do all that. <laughs> like, why does my father hate me? Uh, and then tons of things ran through my mind, and I didn't know. The, I mean, I don't know his family history. Uh, I don't know his relationship with his father. Uh, so he was adopted. I know that. And uh, so um, I don't know if he even knew his father or if he had the biological relationship with them, or a relationship with his biological family. I, I couldn't speak into that. Um, but I, I answered the best I could in you know, one or two minutes. And I told him, it's not about who you, it's not about you or who you are. Um, your question is about your father and who he is. And I don't know what's wrong with your father. Uh, and this, this young man, he, he, he listened to me, and you know, he, he accepted it, and then um, we should have prayed. I didn't. So I, I, kind of, I kind of was thinking about that this week. I was like, oh, I should have. that was a perfect time to pray with him. Um, I mean, I'd prayed with him before, but I don't know. That was, that was a time that we should have invited God, and I didn't do that. But, um, but you know, he heard me, and then we went to church, and we worshiped, and it, it was good. Uh, but that question's been kind of going through my head all week, right? So, like, why does my father hate me? Uh, and as a father, myself, I mean, that, that question hurts my heart. Uh, and in a weird way, I think it's a common question uh, that all of us that have ever been kids have maybe sometimes asked. When, you know, maybe it's an anger or being unreasonable. And, and it's a question sometimes we ask about God, our true father. Why does my father hate me? We might not use the word hate, right? We might say, why does God seem so distant? Or why does God care about this or that? Or why doesn't God do more? Why isn't God more involved in my life? If God's real, does he care about me and what I'm going through? Does he care that I hurt? Does he care that people I know and love are suffering? Does he care about our country, about my family? Does he care about me? And all those questions are basically asking, why does my father hate me? So, I don't know, it's just kind of been in my head, in my heart. And so I want to ask this question in the context of holiness. Um, And this is one of the defining characteristics of God. Uh, In the Bible we read that God is holy. So what does that mean? Um... So, in holy is our translation of the Hebrew word kodesh, and it means separate from, holy other, complete in of itself. And so, when we say that God is holy, 
We're literally saying that God is apart from us, separate from us, wholly other than us. And those are big concepts. Uh, we, we can talk about it a lot, um, but I like simple definitions. Um, so I'm going to kind of simplify the, those concepts. I won't get into all that that means. And this, so this is not the entire definition, but this is a simple definition that we could start to wrap our head around. So my simple definition of holy means whole. Oops, went backwards. Um, holy, holy means whole, complete. Nothing can be taken away from it, and nothing can be added to it. Whole. So when we say that God is holy, we're saying that God is whole, complete and total, in and of God's self. And so what do we do with that, though? What do we do with a God that's whole all by himself, that doesn't need us? What do we made of a God that is apart from us? Uh, no wonder we can ask this question, um, if there is a God, why, why would he care about us? Because if a holy God is, a, by definition, a God that's apart from us and separate from us, then is God there? How, how do we know? And if God is whole, apart from us, then no wonder we can ask that question again. Why does my father hate me? Um, because a lot of our perspective as humans, as people, are, is based on our needs, right? Humans are needy, and almost everything in our lives can be boiled down to our needs. I mean, right, there's entire psychological theories devoted to understand this concept. Uh, you might remember studying this in school. Uh, one of the big ones is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So this thing, uh, I know you can't read it, but I just wanted to kind of give you that visual. Um, so our lives are a struggle to meet our needs. And so after we meet our base needs, right, food, drink, warmth, then we can meet the slightly higher needs, you know, maybe friendship, acceptance, communities. And that allows us to move further up the ladder to another level, and so on and so on it goes. Um, and, and there's some truth to that, right? After all, we work so we can live. Um, and I can think most of us have had jobs that we don't love or we, we haven't loved. Maybe even jobs that have been a bit embarrassing, but we took them because we needed to live. Uh, one summer as a young adult, I had a job uh, walking around downtown in a sandwich board. Okay, um, And it was, it was advertising the Renaissance Fair. Um, so I was in Renaissance costume and a sandwich board um, walking around downtown Anchorage, and that was whenever the Renaissance Fair was down in 3rd Avenue. Um, and it was stimulating because I was in costume, and people would honk, and they would point. Uh, and yeah, I was humiliated. But I needed to pay rent. I needed to eat. And so I did it because my needs were greater than my pride. And our needs, real and perceived, shape us. Our needs drive what we do. So what do we do with the God that doesn't need anything? That isn't even on this pyramid of needs. A God that doesn't need. A God that is whole. Now, Okay, um, so let me shift gears. Whoa. Let me shift gears for a minute. Um, I want to talk about God and humans and neediness, and I'll get back to it. But let's get back to some definitions. 
what is holiness? And if I used to be an English teacher, so this is kind of my wheelhouse. So if you remember your suffixes, ness, N-E-S, that means the state of or condition of. So holiness is the condition of being whole. So if we study the Bible, we found that holiness is a commandment. We read, we read the scripture this morning where God said, Be holy, for I am holy. So if we're shaped by our needs, and holy means not having any needs, then how in the world do we ever become holy? What does that even look like? Because I am painfully aware of how unholy I am. And you know what makes me feel really unholy? Hearing about and seeing people that I perceive as holy. <laughs> I, I, I can't help it. It does. When I, when I encounter someone that like, really seems put together, that has things going for them, it can make me feel more messed up. Uh, I, so I feel less whole when faced with their wholeness. Other people's holiness exposes my unwholeness. I feel naked and ashamed. Like, like all my baggage and failures is on display. And, and when I'm doing well, when I'm on my best behavior, right, I'll try to emulate them. I'll, I'll try to do what they do, right? Because I want to be whole. I want to be holy. Um, I try to act put together too. And at my worst, which is more often than I like to admit, um, I get defensive. I get critical. Um, so then, if I'm critical, then I can dismiss and push down feelings of inadequacy. Um, either way, at my best or at the worst, I am still unwhole me. And I don't think I'm that different from people you know, from your coworkers, from neighbors, from friends and family, or you. Um, because on the whole, people spend a lot of time and effort in uh, noticing other people's weaknesses and failures and comparing other people's weaknesses to our strengths, um, on noticing other people's emptiness and unwholeness so that we don't have to be exposed to our own needs and our own inadequacy. So, back to what do we do with a God that doesn't need us, that is so whole that when we encounter him, we can only claim like the prophet Isaiah did when faced with the holiness of God. Woe is me, for I am undone because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of an unclean people. Or, sorry, in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. It's Isaiah 6, 5. I, I'm undone. When I come encounter to God, I am done, undone. I'm completely made unwhole. So then, what do we do with that God? Um, I don't know, honestly. I don't know what we can do with that God. Not really. Because where that God is, I can't get to. I can't relate to it. I can only be undone, unmade, in that God's presence. But God does something. Um, this is something you've probably heard me say before. Uh, the Swiss theologian Karl Barth said that the incarnation, that is God that's becoming human, um, God becoming a person in Jesus, is God's way of saying, I will not be God without you. 
Jesus is God saying, I will not be God without you. It's Jesus is God limiting himself. It is God saying, I know you're undone. I know you're falling apart. So if you can't come to me, I will come to you. It's God saying, I will be holy for you. I will give you my wholeness. You will be holy because I, your God, am holy. So you are no longer undone. I am making you whole, presenting you pure, blameless, whole. It is God saying, I don't hate you. It's your father saying, I don't hate you. I love you. And they're parables, right, in the gospel about this. Jesus talks about this, right? You know, Jesus is a father running away to you, his wayward son that's trying to make his way home. So you're lost sheep that the shepherd's risking everything to find. You're the treasure that he lost in the floorboards of a house that is found after a desperate night of search. God loves you, and he wants you to be whole. And this holiness has to infiltrate every aspect of our life. Otherwise, we're not whole. Um, there's no compartmentalizing holiness. It has to touch everywhere, everything. That's kind of the sacrament of baptism, right? And baptism, which is a sign of God's grace, right? You go underwater. So that's the idea. You go, you go underwater, and that water touches every part of you, right? You've all taken baths at one point. When you go underwater, you get wet, all of you. It saturates you. And then you come out clean. New person, whole. Um, just a side note, uh, we're going to be, in a couple of weeks, we'll be having um, a baptism service. So if you're interested, uh, let me or Sherry or someone, any of the staff people know, and we'd be more than happy to talk to you about that. Um, put it on the Connect card, send us an email, whatever. Um, and that's also communion, the Eucharist, another one of our sacraments. So it's a confession and a thanksgiving, right? That Christ alone is what gives us life. That he is our food, that he is our drinks, and all of our needs are met in him. And uh, that's something that a lot of us miss, right? We, we think that holiness is found in the things that we do, um, but it's not in doing things that makes us holy. Our holiness is found in Jesus. He is what makes us holy. So I, I want to kind of look at this negatively a little bit. Let's, let's spend a couple minutes on what holiness is not. Holiness is not attainable. Okay? It's not morality. It's not earned. Otherwise, Pharisees in the Bible would have been the most holy people around. It can't be attained by the things you don't to do, right? If you don't smoke, if you don't drink, if you don't curse, if you don't dance, if you don't have, things, have, don't have sex, right? Those things may occur alongside of holiness, but they don't cause holiness. Uh, I, I learned this uh, phrase uh, back whenever I was doing my undergraduate. There's probably like a science or statistics class um, a long time ago. But is, it was correlation does not equal causation. Uh, has anybody heard that before? Correlation does not equal causation. So it means that just because something happens alongside something else, right, doesn't mean that one thing caused the other thing. They're just, they're just going along together. They might be, both be caused by a third thing or something else. Um, there are other factors. Correlation does not equal causation. Holiness is not doing the right things. It is not earned by doing the right things. 
You don't become holy by praying or by fasting. You don't become holy by reading and knowing your Bible. Um, You don't become holy by feeding and caring for the poor. And those things are important. Those things are even necessary. But correlation does not equal causation. It's not something you attain. It's something that's given by the grace of God. It's something that God gives you. Holiness is not static. Um, That means holiness changes things. Um, Holy changes. Um, If you're not holy and you become holy, you're changed. Um, And I think many people can agree with that. But the thing about holiness is you continue to change. You're continually growing and growing. Um, And that's where, you know, you find things like morality and righteous acts. Those are good. Because if you're holy, then you're changed. Uh, The book of James is all about the transformation that starts to take place because you've been made holy. Now, those transfer, that doesn't make you holy, but they're because you're holy. So, that's really small. This is James chapter 1, uh, so 21 through 25. So I'll, I'll read it for you guys. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so declare, so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word and does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives him freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. So holiness changes us. It is changing us. Uh, And whenever we read something like this, we need to remember that the Word is Jesus. Jesus is the Word. Uh, In the Gospel of John, John clarified that the Word of God is Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and was in God, and was God, right? We remember that Jesus is the fulfillment of the perfect law, right? Verse 21, right where I started. So he has been planted in you. He is speaking to you. Listen. He has made you holy and is continuing to make you holy. Holiness is not static. You grow in holiness just like, like, a, like a baby would grow in humanness, right? So a baby, of course, a baby's human, right? So, but as that baby grows up, what it means to be human starts to look different because the baby's getting bigger and has more responsibilities and more freedom, right? Likewise, we grow in holiness. Just like a baby grows in humanness, we grow in holiness. Um, so as we mature in our faith, our holiness must grow. Otherwise, we're not really holy. And holiness is not fragile. This is something we, we, we think, right? We treat holiness as if it's a fragile thing. But holiness is tough. Um, we treat it like, it like it's something that can be taken away from us, that can be destroyed um, by the merest breeze of immorality. And then there's something to that. But it's not because holiness is fragile. It's because we're fragile. Holiness is strong. Um, we, we get caught up with the idea that things can take away your holiness. And that's, that's an Israelite idea found in the Old Testament, right? If something unclean touches something that's holy, then that holy thing becomes unclean. So the book of Leviticus, a lot of Deuteronomy, it's all about that. But then Jesus came and said, wait, 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 wait. You, you guys misunderstood that. You missed the point. Um, 
That sort of thinking reflects the idea that holiness is something that you earn, that you can achieve, because if you earn it, then you can lose it. But all those codes in the Bible, they're not rules to make us holy, but a way to shape our lives around the idea that only God is holy. Right? And God entering into our lives, into the way we dress and eat and pray and have sex and talk to one another and participate in society. Um, God entering into all those aspects of our lives. That is what makes us holy. The presence of God. Everything about us should point back to the idea that only God makes us holy. So when Jesus comes, right, he embodies the perfect law, right, which is that only God can make things holy. And he goes around and he touches people and things that other people thought would make him unholy. Um, women? Women are unholy. Uh, the sick? Foreigners? Adulterers? Uh, even those considered blasphemous, right? He touches the unholy and he makes them holy because that's what Jesus does. Christ makes unwhole things whole. He makes sick people well. He makes broken people whole. He gives lost people a purpose. He gives lonely people a family. A person that follows Christ is someone who knows that they were sick, that they were broken, that they were lost, that they were alone, and that Christ has made them whole. And we're called to reflect the reality that Jesus makes unwhole things whole. That we're called to follow Christ we are prompted and empowered by his spirit to join him in making the unholy holy. Uh, we're, we're not called to point people out and to point out that how people aren't whole because people know that already. Um, I mean, if someone looks at you and calls you a mess, that calls you a sinner, uh, that calls you unholy, you might get angry, uh, you might get defensive, but you, know, you probably know you're the right. Any person that's halfway honest themselves knows that. People know they need help. Um, and what we're called to do, our job is to call people to holiness. Our job is to point out the holy work that God is doing in them and wants to do them, whether they realize it or not. Um, we're called to reflect the reality that Jesus has come and desires to make all people, all of creation, whole. And people hunger for holiness. People want to be whole. They do. Because... You can go and you can ask anybody if they would like to be a better person. You can ask anybody. Do you wish you could be kinder? Do you wish you could be more loving? Right? They want to be whole. Ask people why they chose their occupations or fields of study. Why did you choose that? Um, ask people about how they fell in love and what that means. Listen to how they make their decisions. Look at how you've made your decisions. We want to be whole. So people want to be whole. We want to have our needs met. Um, so, right? Wholeness, holiness only comes from God. And we read that in the beginning. In Revelation 15:4. Who will fear you, O Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. All the nations come 
to worship God because in God is wholeness. People are hungry for this. Uh, Luke 16, 16. The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom is being preached and everyone is forcing their way into it. Jesus claimed that people were trying to enter the kingdom of God by force, that people were trying to all sorts of things to be whole because there's a hunger for wholeness, to be better, to be more complete. Go to your bookstore. Look at the self-help section. Those are the best-selling books out there. So look at the drug rates. Look at marriage and divorce rates. Look at crime rates. Look at our materialism, our consumerism, our spiritualism, our nationalism, our political involvement. People try all sorts of things to be whole. But it doesn't work. We hunger for wholeness, but we don't know how to be whole, to be complete. Um, so I, I, I was thinking about, like, okay, well, how, how do I hammer this home? You know, my, my analogy, and I always go back to puzzle analogies. I, I, I really like that. So you, you might have heard me give another puzzle analogy earlier um, in another sermon. But so we're, we are puzzles. We're like a puzzle that long ago started to lose pieces. Um, and some of the pieces we lost, right? Some of the pieces other people took. Some of the pieces might not even have been in a box. <laughs> and then we, we have this puzzle, and we're like, wait, what, what is this supposed to be? How do I get there? Because I, I, I know things are missing. And some people might add things, pieces to your life, but no one will complete it. And we try to make sense of it, and we may be able to even do something kind of neat. Because there are a lot of good people that make really neat things. People do. We try to find a way, but that's not what the picture is supposed to be. Um, that's not what we are supposed to be. Because only Christ can fill in missing pieces. Only Christ can make us whole. And do you want to know the shape of your life? Do you want to know who you are? Because you can't find it on their own. Those pieces are lost. Uh, you can only find them in Christ. Things are only whole because God is there. So are you sick? Are you broken? Are you hungry and thirsty? Are you lost? Because I am. I'm sick. I'm broken. I'm thirsty and hungry and lost. And only Christ can make me whole. And only Christ can make you whole. Do you know someone that needs healing? That needs restoration? That needs to be made whole? Christ has come to make them whole. All of creation is groaning, right? So, Romans 8, 9. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. It's one of my favorite verses. So everybody's dying for the children of God to be the children of God. People are clamoring for the kingdom of heaven because only in Christ is their wholeness, holiness. Um, and if you'd like to talk further about this, of course, you know, talk with me or the prayer team in the back, uh, Pastor Todd or um, Tyler, when they come back, uh, any of the volunteers, we'd love to talk to you about this. Um, and if this is a message that someone else needs to hear, your job is to carry it to them. Um, 
Your job is to proclaim the good news into their life, that Christ is at work. Let them know what he's doing. So look for what God's doing. Join him, because all the nations, all manner of people are coming together because of God's holiness, and you're invited to join the work. And someday you'll be asked, why does my father hate me? And it might not be those words. It might not even be actually spoken. But the question will mean, why am I alone? Why am I hurt? Why does no one care? Why do I feel so incomplete? Why does my father hate me? And my hope, my prayer, and I think the prayer of the people in this place is that you know that he doesn't. He doesn't hate you. He loves you. He wants to make you whole. You are his treasure. You're the apple of his eyes. And he loves you more than you could know. All right, let's pray. Holy Father God, we thank you for who you are, for your glory, for your wholeness, for your completeness. Um, We thank you for coming to us, for working to make us whole, to make us complete. And we pray that that we can participate, that we can find our life in you, that we can join you, that we can share your good news, your love, because only you are holy. All God's people said, Amen.